We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Jon Stewart is back at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition wherever you get your podcasts. Hi! Hi! Welcome to Star Trek The Pod Directive. The official Star Trek podcast. You took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly what it is. And that's how we know we don't have a lag over the Zoom, if I was able to successfully steal words from you. Yes, like a cat stealing breath. Mm, do they do that? <laughs> have you never heard this? Is this a thing about like uh, when you get like night night paralysis, they call it a cat? I- am I conflating two things? Cat scratch fever? No. <laughs> cat Stevens, Yusuf Islam? Are we just playing a word association game? <laughs> we are. We are. We're, we're seeing if we're mentally sound to sometimes, host the podcast. <laughs> sometimes I don't know if Paul and I are hosting a podcast or just doing word association over Zoom. <laughs> Look, if this was a TV show, we'd be doing Rorschach tests. Uh, yes, the, the, the old wives' tale is that cats would steal your breath while you're sleeping, which basically means that a cat would like lay on your face <laughs> and smother you. I mean, they kind of do that. My cat used to lay on my head. Sure. Absolutely. I also I don't like the term old wives tale. It feels what should sexist. We call it? Urban um, legend? I guess urban legend has replaced old wives tale. But they seem different, no? Isn't an urban legend like say bloody mary three times in the mirror and an old wives tale is like well, no, drink cod liver true. oil. T- Tony, that's that's true though. About bloody oh. mary. Oh. I guess I didn't know. I it's a re- regional thing. I would say don't mess with forces you don't understand. And one of the forces we do understand is this Star Trek podcast where we talk about Star Trek eventually. And I'm the queen of the segue. As as we know. Paul, how are you today? I'm good, Tony. How are you today? I'm good. It's nice to see you. It's nice to be here talking, talking to you, talking Trek. Absolutely. I'm all vaxxed up, raring to go. Congrats me as well. Vaxxed and ready to, ready to relax. Is that what people are saying? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We uh, have a fun interview today. We always have a fun interview, but um, we spoke with Justin Simeon. Mm-hmm. Had you met Justin before? I have not met him to this day, except over the over the Zoom. You don't count these as meetings? When we meet people on the Zoom, you don't say, in the future, if someone says, have you met that person, you're just going to say no? No, because it could be part of the simulation. That uh, I, I don't even oh. know if Justin's a real person until I meet him. You're you know still I mean? not convinced we're not in the Matrix, right? Yeah. Look, I haven't seen you in person in a while. For all I know, <laughs> you could be just some ones and zeros. I would love that actually if I got to wear Trinity's like f- long like outfit and then like yeah, Morpheus's yeah, long yeah. leather jacket, I would actually yeah. love to be in the Matrix. That style is back now. Is it real? Oh, you know what? I saw that uh some clip of some fashion show where it was Gary Oldman, Tim Roth, who are the other guys? Oh, Adrian Brody. Hell yeah. And Will- and Willem Dafoe. And they're walking around wearing, you know, like Hunger Games outfits. Yeah. <laughs> 90s dystopian chic. Mm-hmm. It's all the rage. Gary Oldman looked good, I have to say. I bet they all looked great. I'm so glad the 90s are back. I'm just saying. And now I can dress like how I thought I looked when I was 13. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was pulling it off with my knockoff Doc Martens and my and my plastic chokers that you'd get in a cereal box that would break. And now I can wear those things for real. Oh. Well, I, I can't wait to get back into a baggy Niles Crane suit. <laughs> Paul, you have the ability right now. You can wear a baggy suit any day it's you want. It's true. It's true. I'm just, they're, they're not, I don't think they're making them yet. I think I have to order a couple sizes up. <laughs> oh, Paul. Paul keeps his tailor in business. That- <laughs> He's booked and busy. Booked and busy and blessed, baby. You know who else is booked, busy, and blessed? Is <laughs> our guest for this episode of the Star Trek podcast, where we talk about Star Trek, if you couldn't tell, Justin Simeon. Uh, Justin Simeon is an American filmmaker, actor, and author. His first feature film, Dear White People, won the U.S. Dramatic Special Jury Award for Breakthrough Talent. Um, he was also named Variety's 2013 10 Directors to Watch, and the film was later adapted into the Netflix series of the same name. 
Dear white had, people. Yes, we had a wonderful chat with Justin. Um, he's really fun and funny, and mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, it, like it flew by this one. It really did. Um, he roasted me a couple times, and I thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, listening to him talk about uh, growing up a Trekkie and how that kind of influenced him as a young queer kid in the South, it was really it was really touching. I, I love to hear from from folks who grew up differently than me. Yeah, it really is to me such a wonderful thing about the arts that you because artistic expression is open to interpretation and people can take from it uh, what they what they either wish to take from it or they may not realize that they're taking something from it that something like Star Trek can uh, mean something to someone so urgently like that you can relate to it like that's mm. I, I i get that feeling i understand that situation that's me you know mm -hmm. is a is a really cool thing yeah and you i mean you guys will hear in the interview but paul asked him some really good questions about like whether whether he was conscious that he was doing that like as a young kid like whether you know you're identifying that way or whether it's just kind of watching over you as a cool thing to watch i think that's interesting it must be different for every person it better be i don't want anyone having the same experience as me I would die if someone had the same experience as me watching Trek. I'd oh be like, God. get out of my head, weirdo. I would be like, get your own experience. <laughs> I'd be like, what excuse me. What is this, me? single white female? Excuse me, why are you hogging this experience? I rented this for the full hour. <laughs> I'm a unique person. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. I still have a birthday party to throw in this hall. <laughs> I need to talk to your manager. I am the manager and, <laughs> and I own this place now. <laughs> Congrats. Thank you so you much. Really, you really climbed your way up the ladder. Yeah, you know, I just I kept working towards my goal, dressed for the job you want, et cetera. <laughs> All righty. Well, let's listen to our chat with Justin after this break. Play it now with Game Pass. Get the best merch in the universe with Star Trek products from ParamountShop.com. Shop Galaxy shirts, NX-01 hats, Starfleet Command sweatshirts, and more. You can take 20% off with code TREK20. That's 20% off at checkout on all Star Trek products with code TREK20 at ParamountShop.com. Justin, you were saying that when you when you're in production, you don't you don't watch good television. You watch no, trash. I can't. Is it just because your brain is too fried? It feels like work. You know, yeah. like I I can't watch something while I'm shooting something and not think about like the dialogue and the shots that they mm -hmm. use and the directors that they went with. I just can't. I can't turn it off. So I need to watch reality trash or right. like yes. really old things. You know, like uh, it just it makes me think about work. Yeah, I get that. Sometimes you just want, especially this year, I've just wanted like easy. I've wanted things that just wash over me like a balm, you yes. know? <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> especially the show that I make. It's like, it's all, you know, we're talking about race relations and, yeah. you know, the human condition. It's just, it's a heavy show and it's ambitious mm -hmm. and it's hard. And it's like the last thing I want to do when I come home. <laughs> I have this, this is an ongoing thing with my wife and I, because I, I like documentaries when I watch them. But mm -hmm. it will never be my idea to watch them first. Oh, interesting. Mm -mm. And see, I can watch a documentary to turn off. I, right. Like, oh, my favorite is like a cult movie, like a movie about ah, a cult leader. <laughs> favorite. There are. Yes. This has been a boon lately. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it has. It's a real boom year for cult documentaries. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I feel like she's always ready to watch a true story. But there's like, if I've if I'm at the end of a long day or something. A lot of times I just don't want to deal with real life. I just want yeah. to see something totally fake. And it doesn't even have to be good. But yes. as long as it's just a phony story that I don't have to worry about. <laughs> yes, yes. My boyfriend is the same is the same way. We we both have very strange like to each other, mm -hmm. strange like, you know, brain turning off uh ideas of what that is. Cause I'll come home and I'll be like, 
Hitler, you know, and he he wants to watch. He's like, why would you want to watch? Can we watch the Golden Girls or like something a little more fun? You know, for whatever You're reason. Like, no, let's hit- get into it. Yeah, like a Hitler doc turns my brain right off. I don't know why that is, guys. But- <laughs> well, it we kind of makes sense, you know, um, when we asked you to pick a favorite, I won't say the favorite, but say a favorite episode of Trek, uh, you went to the TNG series closer, oh, yeah. All Good Things. So that makes sense. You know, you didn't pick like a fluffy, flowery, Ferengi's doing hijinks type <laughs> episode of DS9 or something. You, you picked a, a heavy, you know, this is a an unprecedented series finale in that our Ugh. protagonist finds out he gets a terminal illness. It it has to do with time. It, it's very heavy and, and it ends the whole thing. So in a lot of ways, it's the saddest episode of The Next Generation because mm-hmm. it meant there are no more. <laughs> yeah, it was so mind blowing, though. I, it was the first. It was the first like full episode of TNG I actually saw. No, the, really? Yeah, because I was um I was uh you know I was a kid and uh being black in the South does not necessarily lend itself to trekdom and so it just hadn't really come up. But I had this god my godfather uh my parent as we call as I call him uh he was he was a big trekker and uh, he was always trying to get me to watch it and uh, I was at my aunt Zora's house. And he had every single TNG episode on VHS cassette tape. Oh. And the finale had just aired. And I was like, okay. And it blew my mind to smithereens. And and oddly enough, even though it is the finale, that's what started my obsession with Star Trek as a kid. Wow. So knowing nothing about it, you were yeah. completely taken with the ending of this Oh, my God. Because so, it was such a world. It was like, yeah. oh, my God, I can go back to the first season and everyone's going to be like this. And then I can go back to like just a few seasons. It was just this mm. whole world to discover. I just felt like there was so much I, I, I could spend the rest of my life discovering who these yeah. people were and what they were up to and what's this federation about. And I don't know. I was I was I was instantly hooked. Uh, well, starting well, at the end. <laughs> what, <laughs> what was the stuff you watched before Trek? What, what were the things that you were drawn to as a kid? I think the first big um, thing for me was probably like the X-Men. You know, I, mm-hmm. I was always into that kind of soap opera science fiction thing where like there was a bigger world that was being implied by, you know, the mm-hmm. little story that I was watching. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek, I mean, yeah, it, it was it was X-Men and Star Trek were the, the first big ones. And before that, you know, I loved Disney musicals and I also loved Nightmare on Elm Street. I watched uh, I watched this movie at a very inappropriate age, also at Aunt Zora's house. Thank you very much. Uh, I like is, Aunt Zora. I, I do, do too. too. I love Aunt Zora. It's part of why I named Vanessa Williams' character Zora in, in my oh, horror movie Bad Hair. Is because my Aunt Zora really was is the cause of so much of my of my nerddom. But um, I remember Nightmare on Elm Street two being like one of the first movies I ever saw, and I had wow. no concept of what was happening. You know, I thought the guy was cool. He had a fedora and he had like nine. I didn't get it. I didn't get that this, I was to be afraid of him. Didn't understand any of that at all. I just was like, what I, it was just this fantasy world, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. That's the stuff that I guess I was attracted to. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that something like Nightmare on Elm Street, which in my, you know, I'm not trying to drag it, but like, it seems pretty clear what it is of like, kind of, yeah. it seems pretty, it's spelled out like, okay, yeah. there's a bad man. This is frightening. The yeah. And that was perplexing to you. And yet you watched the series finale of one of the most complicated <laughs> sci-fi shows of the 90s and went, yeah, I get this. Having yeah. no context. Well, you know what it was? Characters. It wasn't even so much that I get this. It was that like, oh, I want to get this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was an mm. it was a it was an invitation to me <laughs> that like if I stick with it, I can understand all kinds of things about this world. It, it really was like honestly kind of a religious experience. The cue, the idea of like the paradox in time. Like I didn't that stuff was like, what is this? What is yeah. this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do they mean by this? And it, it literally made me want to just start right away. Season one, let's go. Farpoint Station. Who are these people? Let's do this. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I, I think, uh, again, Nightmare on Elm Street, I didn't get the plot mechanics, but I just, mm-hmm. I, I, I understood something about uh, dreams and, and like this idea that things can happen in a person's dreams that would affect the reality. There was something about that, I guess, that, worked for me as a mm-hmm. kid. I don't mm-hmm. know. And I'm crazy also. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, add look. it all up and it makes sense to me. I don't know. <laughs> I, the only episode, the, the first episode of The Sopranos I saw was the finale. Oh, wow. And 
<laughs> I will say that The Sopranos hit me at a time where it was just not the type of TV I was watching. And it was so much later than the big swell of everyone watching it. So I saw the finale and felt like, well, now I know what happens. I don't need to watch this. <laughs> then, <laughs> then later I went back and watched some of it. But I was it was a weird way to enter that series for sure. Well, I will say I also flirted a little bit with TNG. Again, it was like it just wasn't cool in my, mm. in my neighborhood to watch science fiction. Um, but and so I just did it because of that and for no mm-hmm. other reason. But I do remember before I saw the finale, there was an episode that aired where the inter- I forget the name of it, but the Enterprise blows up before the first commercial break. And, you know, I back then I was just like, OK, whatever. And and it blew up before the commercial break. And I was like, what the hell is this show? What is what's going to happen now? It's the one where they're in the time loop and it yeah. keeps blowing up each time we come back. Oh, and I, yes. And I got through like the first two segments and I was I was intrigued. But again, I was like, I'm not supposed to watch. This is weird. This is like aliens. I don't get into this. And then and then, you know, so that was like the first date. And. All good things was, you know, that was my marriage ceremony to Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) And then the movies. Oh, my God. It was over. It was over. Tony, by the way, Tony, you're probably the only person who watched the Sopranos finale and said, well, now I know what happens. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm an idiot. <laughs> we I'm have a, a lot idiot. of comments this way, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Did, how was it, knowing, knowing how it all ended and then going back and watching it, uh, knowing that it all leads up to that ending. Like, were you looking for Mm. clues to see how far in advance they knew, (laughs) like how they were going to wrap it up? But you know, but the thing about TNG though, is that it was very, it is very episodic, especially compared to now. I mean, it's not, I don't think you could really accuse a show of being terribly serialized. It's sort of Mm. that ending in retrospect, it more is like they came up with it and they found ways to tie threads, you know, Uh, and make it all mean something. And I don't think many shows can do that. I mean, that is a very difficult feat, especially after seven seasons of something. Um, so it didn't feel like it spoiled it for me at all. You know, I was certainly mm-hmm. mostly interested in the Q episodes at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. You get into the whole Tasha Yar situation pretty qu- soon into it. But there's oh, all yeah. these other areas of Next Generation that are just as fascinating to me as you know, this ultimate test that Q was supposedly putting Picard through. Um, and I fell in love with the characters. And it was also, I think I think it was also something about the ensemble. It's like I could mm-hmm. see myself in so many different people. I wasn't able to put words to it at the time, but there were black people in the show, multiple black people in the show. And besides like the Cosby show, it was really the only one yeah. like that that I had growing up where it was like, okay, you have Guinan and you have Jordy and kind of Wharf, I guess. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, and I could see myself in them in different ways. I felt like Data sometimes, but I, I looked up to Picard. I mean, these were like family members. And I think like the X-Men kind of functioned the same way. It's like, yeah. I didn't have to like one person um, or, or sort of like consolidate around one idea in order to enjoy mm. the show. Every week it was it was a little bit different. I know what you mean about just there just being multiple black people. Having multiple black people in one scene where they weren't like that that wasn't about some sort of right. civil rights unrest, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> to have it just be like, you know, Whoopi giving uh, Michael Dorn some prune juice for the first time. Like Mind a simple blowing. scene about black people enjoying prune juice. I was like, what? We can do this. <laughs> yes. And it was without words, you know, because, you know, Gene Roddenberry's future was in a lot of ways absent of race. Um, but it, you know, I, I still felt something happening for me with that show that was different than other shows. And on top of that, you know, it was about the awe of science and mm. the possibilities. I mean, it just was a combination of things that I didn't get anywhere else, really. When you say that, uh, it seemed like you and your peer group, science fiction was not a thing that anybody was into. It was not a genre that anyone was attracted to. Um, But when you started watching the show in earnest, did you feel like, oh, this has been, this actually has been here for me this whole time. This has been a thing that absolutely speaks to me and I didn't realize. Did did any of your other friends get turned on to it or no? I mean, look, I... 
I, I think part of being a gay black boy growing up in the South means that you have a divided life. I did. Sure. And so I had, I had my nerd friends, which tended to be white people. Okay, mm-hmm. just keeping that real. And I had my <laughs> I had my black friends that like did not understand what I was getting out of this thing. And right. and I wrote a there's a scene in, in in Dear White People in my movie where Lionel is making the case to Troy that Star Trek is actually a very black show. Mm-hmm. And I would mm-hmm. make this argument many times growing up that like it has Whoopi Goldberg in it. It has freaking it is like Kuta Kinte from Roots. You don't get blacker than that. Uh, and it's all about a world where like we've moved past racism, like come on, and just nobody was buying it, you know, growing right. up. Right. <laughs> the stigma was too deep. Uh, <laughs> but but I loved it and I and I I never I never held back my love of it. You know, mm-hmm. I would even dress up uh for Halloween and, and go trick-or-treating again in my black neighborhood and to shrugs and confusion because I just loved Aww. it so much and I wanted people to get it. But you yeah. know. I think they're getting it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, well, this will help. Uh, yeah. Did you have a, like, when you dressed up, were you like, I'm Picard or I'm Geordi, or were you just like in a generic Starfleet uniform? How dare you? Okay. I was ah. Lieutenant Simeon. Just kidding. No. I, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think I went as Geordi and Picard. And, and, mm-hmm. and in my mind, of course, these things were very obvious. I had the correct number of pips, you know, or right. I had the, right. the visor or whatever. Nobody understood what was happening. <laughs> oh, I remember. I remember running around because in the 90s we all wore those banana clips mm-hmm. i remember running around with a banana clip across my eye oh yeah it was jordy's visor oh where is my visor we built it's like one you can't Lionel. see out of it no you can't see out of them it, there's, no, it, it, it actually is it's redundant it, it, it makes you more blind for sure <laughs> <laughs> and then did you did you start getting into uh to other trek series as well after tng oh yeah i mean again the thing about tng is like you were saying it was like oh my god this is like decades long Mm-hmm. There's so much history here. And who is Captain Kirk and the Enterprise D? Well, what about A, B, C, and C? Like, I really, <laughs> I went down the whole tunnel and yeah. went back and watched all of the movies uh, multiple times, watched the original series. I didn't get into DS9 until I was a bit older. I feel like DS9 is, is a little bit more mature of a show, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah. it kind of, it, it sort of existed outside of that um, adventure fantasy uh, world. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was absolutely hooked. I read novels about Star Trek. I collected the action figures I had. I remember one of the best Christmases ever was getting the little TNG transporter that made it seem like your action figure actually disappeared and went somewhere. <laughs> I was obsessed with this stuff, man. I would, my mom would go to bed and I would take, you know, whatever video camera I had, I had sort of borrowed from the school library and try to like put my personal spaceships up against the TV screen, which was playing a star field from my computer. I mean, a peak nerd, y'all. Like, this is what I did for fun. Okay? (laughs) I love the, like, analog Michelle Gondry type effects you're doing. Like, holding a thing. I didn't know what else. (laughs) You know, I didn't grow up with any... No one understood art, money. Those things don't go together. You can't make a career of this. No one got that. So... I was sort of left to my own devices to figure out how do they shoot this stuff? I don't know. Do you feel like that's changing now? Like, do you feel like uh, more black people or more people in general reveal that they're into Trek or maybe it's just, I don't know. Is it becoming more popular or do you still sometimes feel like you have to like convince black people that (laughs) TNG is for black folk? I think it's both. You know, I think it's absolutely, you know, more black nerds are coming out from the ether, <laughs> especially because it's, you know, Afrofuturism is, I was just watching an Afrofuturism document on the Criterion Collection. It's becoming uh, a buzzword. People are understanding what it means, particularly because of Black Panther, but also with, you know, artists like Janelle Monae. Um, it, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's finding its way, I think, especially, frankly, through queer Black people, because mm-hmm. um, there's so much to relate to. You know, you're fi- it's always about humans who are displaced in some alien location or trying to thrive in some alien place that they, you know, otherwise don't belong. And who else can relate to that, (laughs) you know, (laughs) more than black queer people. So I feel like there's always been this deep love uh, in both communities uh, for science fiction. And I certainly, you know, especially the kids today, you know, the boundaries are just, they're gone. You know what I mean? You listen to rap music and I, I it sounds like rock and roll to me. Like everything is the same now. And so I feel like this mixing of things isn't as big a deal, you know, as it was for me even like 20 years ago. Yeah, there's definitely been more genre blending to great, I, I think, great artistic effect. I think I mean, Lil Nas X. 
I know, I was just gonna bring him up, and I was like, "Is that trite?" I mean, just the he's the pinnacle like, of all the things I w- I didn't know you could do those things at the same mm-hmm. time when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> oh know? my god, have Country. you heard his holiday song? No. L- do yourself a favor, watch the holiday video. I think I believe the song is just called Holiday. Can't Lil Nas wait. X. It is. As soon as we're done, <laughs> it's the most wild. I said I have not felt this way about a music video, and it's not that the video itself is like so groundbreaking, but all the aesthetic elements came together in a way that for me. I have not had that itch scratched since I can pinpoint exactly when it was like 1996. Ooh. The Bjork All Is Full of Love music video where Whoa. she's a, a robot building herself as another robot. That video blew my mind. This one gave me those feelings again, but with a black person in it. Oh, I can't. <laughs> I love it. This, that is actually a big recommendation. I'm going to do this. <laughs> oh, he's a treasure. He's a perfect treasure. I just want him to do more things. I want me him too. in Trek. I feel like he would be oh, such a cool, weird alien. So perfect. Yeah. yeah. So perfect. I could absolutely see him doing it, too. Yeah. Yeah, I could totally yeah. see him doing that. Let's get I, CBS. Holler at Lil Nas X. Let's get him in a. I think that's the thing too about Star Trek is like you just saw all these different configurations of people that were yeah. possible. You know that I didn't see. That you know I think I think growing up I definitely felt like I, I wasn't represented in anything. You know what I mean? Like I didn't really see myself in quote and stuff. Not in black stuff. Not in white stuff. And mm-hmm. and in start in the world of Star Trek, you know everyone was so unique. Uh, everyone was such a different configuration of of people parts <laughs> that I felt mm-hmm. like, oh, that's a universe where I feel like I actually could see myself, <laughs> you know, making my way in where being black and nerdy aren't things that have to be kept separate, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Were you were you conscious mm-hmm. of it? Did you have the conscious feeling of I think these people are are here for me on purpose in a, in a sort of secret way. Like they're not, Mm. it's not being broadcast, but it's like, Mm -hmm. I feel like, like, I guess, did you feel seen by these shows and feel like I kind of know that they know that I'm the type of person that's out here watching this. I wasn't conscious of it at the Mm -hmm. time, you know, Star Trek was the one place where I didn't have to be black, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. And at that time, you know, as a kid, like all you understand about black identity is that like it, it's it's a the things that I can't do mm-hmm. out there in the world. It's the ways that people see me as different. And the first step for me being able to embrace blackness and whatever that meant for me was for it to just sort of live over there for a while. And so in Star Trek, I, I didn't it didn't become as profound as it is to me now um, until much later because. You know, it's funny. It's like it's like when black folks go to an HBCU and being surrounded by all these black people, being black is no longer a defining characteristic. And there's a freedom that comes from that. I've never experienced. I didn't go to HBCU, but I did have Star Trek and Star Trek was, you know, one hour drops of not thinking about um, the Mm. being black in an American context. You know what I mean? And and that freedom of just uh, human. I'm a human. I'm a human and I have different interests. I think that actually um, was a thing that I was connecting to. It wasn't much until much later, probably around watching Discovery, that I felt like, oh, my God, this is actually political. <laughs> what Star Trek right. has been doing all of this time. Yeah. Um, I really connected with that as an adult. I wonder if what you're describing is what we see happen sometimes from, you know, uh, more toxic sections of the fandom that say things like, uh, keep track keep politics out of track track was never supposed to be political it's almost like it it always was but because they were I, I don't know just kind of what you're describing they weren't clocking it as much maybe it was because of the age they were or how I mean, it was being presented yahura kiss and kirk was the mo- i mean I, that you don't get more political than that i think if you don't think star trek is political i have to say i don't know how you experienced it cuz even before i fully understood the poignant and the depths of you know afrofuturism and and all this stuff i understood star trek to be deeply political the fact that they were over they had overcome racism as a plot point Mm. uh Mm -hmm. and sexism and even though you know i i I understood it more and more later in life but gene roddenberry creating this version of humanity so that we could know that we could get there that i Mm -hmm. i felt right away and um yeah, I mean, it started very, I mean, the fact you had a black woman space officer, that was, I knew that that was a big deal in the 60s, even though I, I of course, you know, I, I grew up in the 80s. Like, I, I knew that that was something that was unique about Star Trek. And, um, 
you know, I, I knew that it was I, I, I didn't understand the full significance again at the time, like I said, but I knew that it meant something that you had both Whoopi Goldberg and, um, you know, like I said, Kuta Kente, <laughs> yeah. Lavar Burton, uh, you know, in the same show. I knew that that meant something to people. So I don't those I have to say the toxic fan of thing I don't totally get. I don't totally yeah, get that I at mean, all. Plenty of it for sure is is w- being willfully obtuse, just, yeah. you know, just arguing that point because they don't want to see the right. <laughs> quote unquote politics in track. But it has always been it's always been there for sure. I also have to in case you haven't seen that episode of uh, pl- uh, the original series, Plato's Stepchildren in a while where Uhura kisses Kirk. I cannot let a conversation now <laughs> to my dying day. Whenever anyone brings it up, I have to also remind everyone that 30 seconds after that k- kiss James T. Kirk is cracking a whip at Nichelle Nichols. Oh my God! There is a whip that happens. No You're one remembers totally it. You're totally right. And I'm and I'm sorry to sully what might have been a cool memory for you, but I <laughs> that is my life's mission now. I can no, never but you're let. totally right. Well, I mean, you know, there's so many things about the original series that <laughs> have not aged. Yeah, yeah. But you know, sure. We don't. We, we hush. We talk in hushed tones. Exactly. That's, we that's, have to talk in hushed that's tones. That's the future I mean, this, of the past. I will say my favorite yeah. thing about Star Trek is clocking the skirts. Like, yeah, because yeah. in the original series, you know, all of the women. I mean, it's ridiculous. They're just wearing mm. skirts it's that end around the midpoint of their butts. Uh, but <laughs> yep. in, in at least they tried it. It didn't go very long. But it, when Star Trek actually first starts, you see some dudes walking around in some skirts in the yeah. back. And and I have to say, like. Kudos to whoever made that yeah, decision. Yeah. It didn't last. Yes. But if you watch the first couple episodes of TNG, there are dudes rocking minty skirts, okay, yeah. mini, as their work outfits. Skirts. Thank yeah. you very yes. much. <laughs> they are at work down the hall in uh, a drafty ass mini skirt. Ass out, okay, in outer space. <laughs> Reporting and for I, duty. And I love that someone tried it to be like, okay, this is how we kind of answer for it. And we say all yeah. genders are wearing yeah. this. But I'm sure it stopped because I'm sure those actors were like, this is not practical. I gotta be shooting an alien. <laughs> this is a mess. Yeah. So then what I like is that they kept the dress uniforms are a, a longer skirt still over pants. Yes. So we still yes. have skirts happening on Skirtlets. all genders. And Which I, was I very, that was a that. very 90s fashion choice was the, yes. the dress over pants. Oh. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh man, the TNG fashions are. Mm, oh, I could write. I I need to know if anyone has written for StarTrek.com an absolute retrospective on the teal asymmetrical Ooh. neckline dress that Deanna Troy wore across four seasons. <laughs> that was her work outfit. Her work okay. outfit, a ball gown, a T-length it was teal a ball, ball gown. gown. <laughs> she was going to prom every day. A full skirt. You could tell there was a corset in the middle. Homegirl was on a military ship. Uh, and I always oh felt God. like, especially, I, there was always a tension for me in seeing the men and women without separation between, you know, like the, to know that it was a full body suit. All oh, the time. Yeah. A onesie, yeah. I just, I couldn't, I, I was always thinking about that. Yeah. It was always in the back of my mind uh, in those yeah. first episodes. It did not look comfortable. <laughs> well, there are times when, especially in TNG, where it it is a two-piece, but the layering of it, of the top to the bottom, we don't know where one it starts It still feels begins. stitched in there somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something is attached. Something's sure. attached. But he's able but, to fold it over. Picard's able to fold it over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he does so quite yeah. often, I will add. It was like a, it was a very like interesting character choice. It was like he was always straightening uh-huh. out that top, you know. Um, one of the one yeah. of the things I love <laughs> is seeing in the in the later seasons when you see somebody in the background in one of those onesies where it's like, we ran yes. out of that. We ran they out. They ran the out. Ones. They ran out. <laughs> yeah. And that was yeah. the kind of stuff when I was a kid, that stuff would fascinate me. Cause Absolutely. I love the world building stuff was my shit. You yeah. know, it was like, um, Oh my God. So like, okay. So if you're like new to the shit and you're not like high enough in rank, you got to rock one of the old, you could still be in that skirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you could still be in that skirt day one. You know, you had mm-hmm. to work your way to the nice outfit. You have to graduate from pajamas. Always, yeah. And even when they changed over to like the gray ones in next generation, you could see it was like only Captain Picard has it today, guys. Yours <laughs> right. comes tomorrow. Right. I love that yeah. shit. <laughs> the replicator doesn't have the codes yet. Not, yet. One of the things- <laughs> not for you. Not for we anyone under about, lieutenant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things we talked about for Lower Decks, I voiced one of the characters on Lower Decks, Ooh, and we yes. are on a different 
like, and this isn't canon, so this isn't me like spilling tea or whatever. This is yeah. just like a thing that Mike McMahon and I have sort of like casually talked about is that what if, you know, the the new uniform rollout came to the lesser ships later? Yes. So that's why oh, you might get that. that's why you might get an instance where the, the <laughs> other folks on DS9 and stuff are wearing the gray uniforms. But like us over here on the California class ship are still in this other one. Or maybe we got them a little sooner because we're like the guinea pigs testing them out. And then we discover that like some button fucks up when you have to pull the phaser out. So it's like, well, don't send those to the Enterprise. Love we got to test them out on the, <laughs> the lower class that. ships. I love that so much. I, I also, spe- speaking of Days of Future Past, like I, I hate their outfits in the future. Like everything they came up with in the future is like so tech. Like let's just add another warp engine. It's fine. You know, or like, you know, and I just remember thinking like, God, like how did they get... I I would obsess over these things, so I'm I'm glad to know mm-hmm. I'm not alone. I have to say, <laughs> my favorite outfits though were the movie outfits, the original series movie outfits when oh, they were sure. like in the navy or whatever. That yeah. shit, like yeah. the Christie Alley era, era was yeah, yeah, yeah. that was my favorite. Like I, they had about yes. 14 layers of clothing on. Yeah, I'm sure they hated it, but <laughs> it, it looked really cool. <laughs> yes, like in um in Wrath of Khan when they all show up in those like sheepskin lined seventies yes. pimp coats. I mean <laughs> I'm dead. I've gotta get one out of storage. Federation issue. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it was they had fashion. They had fashion. Full like Huggy Bear Federation edition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Oh, they had coats. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> I know. I still like still now, like when I watch Discovery and stuff, anytime I see the Vulcan homeworld, I'm like, this is how I want to dress at all times. <laughs> Just like a, a straight, like an, a, a middle aged art teacher slash priest. That's how I want to look. Oh, my God. That is the perfect description. <laughs> That's the perfect. So everything is very flowy. They do seem mm-hmm. comfortable. The ears it's look flowy like yet tailored. Yes. How do they accomplish flowy but tailored? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, is this a tangent? It's the discipline of logic. <laughs> You're <laughs> right. It is the discipline of logic. <laughs> it, well, it feels like a tangent, but it also feels like exactly what this show is about. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Outfits. Okay. So, Justin, you've now dabbled in. So, dear white people, you've also done horror comedy with bad hair what's mm-hmm. the genre that you that you give that one i don't know i, I sometimes i call it social thriller that's the one jordan peele Ooh. came up with mm-hmm. um okay i don't horror feels okay but you know i guess pe- i don't know i psychological thriller that's what i use the most but mm-hmm. it, it is it's sure. certainly satirical and uh and has its fair share of laughs, laughs what are there any trek properties that you've watched that feel close to that genre that kind of hybrid genre because i feel like trek has taken on so many tones and Uh the umbrella of sci-fi is so kind of uh uh, stalwart it can handle a lot within it that i feel like we tend to i don't know i tend to overlook the fact that there's actually a lot of like micro niche genres happening across the different series yeah i don't i don't know that i've quite seen like a horror comedy thing but i i remember like the especially the you know, like TNG, when they would do like the Mark Twain episodes, <laughs> uh, yeah. mm-hmm. they had like a bit of a comedic, satirical thing to them. Or when uh, DS9 did the triple episode, you know, and mm-hmm. it was like a little bit yeah. more lighthearted. I I, I, I I, loved those episodes. I, I always cherished it when we got to go somewhere that wasn't so severe and serious yeah. um, and, and felt like more like it was asking a bunch of questions, you know. Uh, rather than like those were always my favorite like I I it's probably the gay thing but whenever it was like about Worf's honor or like a battle at something <laughs> I was like okay you know I would watch it but I, I yeah. liked I wanted the weird episodes more <laughs> can I tell you I felt not speaking as a straight guy I felt the same way that yeah, it, was, okay. <laughs> it was you know it was the it was the problem of of the of the Klingons that it everything felt like that same note over and over again. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, mm. uh, you know, the more you watch it, the more you can see more stuff in it later on. But it 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 is frustrating sometimes because you just want to, you just want to get to a different dimension of, you know, you, you have been dishonored, your family is disgraced, everything <laughs> revolves yeah. around that forever, you know? Bloodshed. Yeah. Everything. It's just like they're they're just such opposite guys. Like we don't like beds, we like boards. Yeah, and it's like all right, all right. 
Although I like how I like how kinky they they're getting with Discovery. Like, yes, I like that there's some like sexuality (laughs) stuff in there that's weird. Um, Oh yeah, I love the way the the Klingons are handled in Discovery. I also really love the peek into Klingonness in um, the DS9 episode House of Quark, where Quark accidentally. A, a Klingon dies in his bar, but then the story comes out that that he has slain this massive Klingon warrior. Yes. So in order to uphold Klingon tradition, he has to then marry that guy's wife and like take <laughs> over his house. So right. you get this badass Klingon woman, and I'm forgetting the the guest actress's name, but she's so good. And you just get Quark, this like, talk about opposite guys. Yeah. This, this like Ferengi <laughs> who only cares about profit in this land of people who are just like, battle, honor. It, <laughs> But again, it's that like comedy element that made it probably yeah. more interesting. Oh, um, and also we're being told that the term is scant for the scant. Uh, the skirt pant. Mm-hmm. Is that for the skirt pant or is that the mini skirt with no pant? Oh, oh okay. So the scant is the mini skirt look. With well, the pants. Okay. Because mm, there was scant enough uh, fabric to cover the ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, little, a little light on the pants, if you ask me. I don't remember. Yes. <laughs> The pants figuring into the outfit at all. Um, Justin, what other what other genres, if any, do you have your sights set on? What uh, like do you want to do something sci-fi at some point? You've you've done. Oh, my God. I would love to. Are you kidding me? I would love to do something sci-fi at some point. In fact, if you really watch Dear White People, I mean, you could probably tell. But I'm, I'm dying. I'm dying to do two things. I'm dying for everyone to burst out into song and or to go to outer space for reasons. I, I'm absolutely obsessed with those genres. Uh, and I, I don't know. I always grew up. Uh, I just love the directors that played in all the genres, you know, yeah. but certainly sci-fi, musicals, fantasy, horror, you know, that stuff hits me right where my gay old heart lives, you know, I can't help it. <laughs> oh, I could totally see, uh, like if you, if you did a reboot, you know, in 20 years, cause everything's going to be rebooted. So uh, yes, if you course. did a, a, a remake of your own film, but somehow made it like a, a sci-fi space musical, I, I can totally see it. I well, can feel all I'm going to say is that there are original songs that I wrote in bad hair and <sighs> dot, dot, dot. All right. Hollywood, oh, listen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I love it. I, I love musicals. Um, but sci-fi, I mean, especially because it, it encompasses so many other kinds. Because you can be sci-fi and you can be action. You can be sci-fi. You can be satire. You can be sci-fi and be all these other things. I mean, I I I, I just I can't wait to get my hands on something. Yeah. Uh, that that plays mm-hmm. in that sandbox. Absolutely. I yeah. do like the idea of somebody revisit like there there are certain directors that revisit their own work and just kind of re-edit things, rejigger things, and it would be interesting. I, get it. I <laughs> look, I totally it's one of those weird things where it's like, of course, when you're older and you have more experience, you're looking at this thing and saying, Oh, I know what I should have done with yeah. this now. Or, you know, who knows what outside forces are are on you and you can't do the thing exactly the way you want to do at the time. But I do think the idea of somebody going back to something they've already done and then doing it again mm-hmm. in a completely different genre is <laughs> that's, I don't know. I, I'd be interested in seeing that as a trend. I, I think, it, I think the idea is fun, <laughs> especially because when I make something, I usually, I figured out how to, how to make it once I'm done making it, you know, yeah. the making of it has taught me about it and yeah. it, now it's too late to do anything mm-hmm. with that knowledge. I hate that. That's probably why, you know, I spent six years making a television show about my movie. <laughs> it's hard for yeah. me to, to like let it go, yeah. you know, uh, because I've I've spent all that time and energy investigating it. Um, and especially when it comes to like black lives and say science fiction or a comedy or a musical or whatever, it's always such an experiment. So you find so many things yeah. out along yeah. the way. Something like Dear White People, where you've done such a good job of creating so many, you've shown people so many different types of black people you've created so many different multi-layered black characters that like yeah we need a lot of time to get through (laughs) everything that these people are dealing with like this is a lot and like no a movie can't just contain it and i would argue that no four or five six seasons can't just contain it like you could keep telling this story for probably much longer than you feel like doing because probably as an artist you might want to do other things before, but both things are no, true. Never run out. Mm-hmm. Both yeah. things are true. <laughs> but I think that's. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say the idea of um, you know the 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 for me the 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 television I like the most is 
a bunch of different stories uh, intermingling. It's people's yes. different stories that are coming together. And, you know, the idea that in uh, Dear White People, uh, black folks are not a monolith. And there's many different um, uh, lives and attitudes within this community. Um, and having, especially for somebody like me, to see these conversations dramatized or no, it's fascinating. And it, and it, it I like how it... It just shrinks the world a little bit more, you know, in, yeah. in a way that's necessary. And to be honest, I got a lot of that from Star Trek. I mean, mm-hmm. really, especially when you see the finale, the final season, which I'm shooting now, the, I, the, the first thing I had my writer's room do is watch All Good Things. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing I had them do wow. because I thought it was the best finale I'd ever it's still to me one of the best finales I've ever seen, especially in the in the world of serialized TV, where like you kind of have to know where you're going from the beginning. I, I just think it's mm-hmm. like a work. It's a miracle, you know, how well it works <laughs> and how well it sort of sums up what's so special about that series. Um, and but that ensemble nature of the show, you know, especially once they get past the first few seasons and it's not just the Picard show. Uh, where you sort of like, oh, sometimes it's about Data and sometimes it's about Deanna and sometimes it's about uh, Beverly. And so, you know, that style of storytelling where it is, it's not one person show. It's about this community of people that has always appealed to me. That's always, you know, it's I can't I, I find it very difficult to sit down and just write about one person or one idea or, or keep myself constrained to even really one genre. And a lot of that has to do with like my, you know, Star Trek kind of blew that door open for me um as a kid really it was star trek and like i said x-men were the those were the first like those were my first stories that i would watch you know for years and decades at a time Mm -hmm. uh, getting to know these characters and both are founded on that foundation of the ensemble and not not one person's perspective can quite get at the whole thing yeah i wonder also about the pace right Mm. like First of all, how many people in your in your writer's room had seen it already or were familiar and and like was it new to most of them? It was probably like half and half. Mm-hmm. Okay, that yeah. makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on like everyone's age and whether exactly. they're weird sci-fi nerds like us. Um, <laughs> exactly. But sometimes when I watch Trek, especially the '90s trio, um, like if I'm busy or something, or if it's an episode I've seen before, I'll put it on like 1.5 speed just to like okay, uh, let me yeah. hit the points, let me get through it. But what's interesting to me is that nowadays, I feel like you can't make TV that's that patient. Like literally just yeah. the spaces between people's lines was cavernous oh, at times. Oh man, somebody, you would see and, somebody walk into a room, go over to a yeah. chair and sit down. Like yes. it was not, <laughs> there was a lot of real time stuff happening. Yeah. It, and it was, it's comforting. Yeah, but you're right. Yes. You'd never, you'd never get away with it. I mean, the first, the, the, Anyone in the town knows the note that you get the most <laughs> is that couldn't this be shorter? That's the note that yeah. you yeah, get absolutely. the most. It is the easiest note to give. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. slightly dissatisfied with this. Make it shorter, you know. Uh, <laughs> and you're right. Like you go back and you watch those episodes and it's like, wow, nothing happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> like absolutely. The, you guys had a conversation about the right. dream you had last yeah. night. That's yeah. it. <laughs> My favorite is when a conversation finishes and one person leaves that that person's quarters and then it still lingers on the person staying there yeah. while they like go over to the replicator and like get a beverage. Yeah. Yes. Like, that had nothing exactly. to do with it. It's very, <laughs> like they just left the camera It's very on. soap opera in a way where there's a yeah. lot of, there's always like a hanging reaction after a scene yeah. ends. Just mm-hmm. one person thinking about everything that's just been said. Yes. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. You feel like you're really there with them. You yeah. know, it, it doesn't feel like you're rushing from plot point to plot point, because frankly, probably financially and for narrative reasons, you really couldn't. You couldn't have mm-hmm. yeah. 14 shootouts, you know, in space in the same episode. It all had to build to one, honey. That's what we had the money for. That's what we had the visual effects for. So, you know, you had to kind of mine the quiet moments. But I, I kind of miss that about TV, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. It's, it, you know, it, it's part of it. It feels great to have a bigger canvas in TV because you can tell more story. But it can also mm-hmm. be equally great to slow the hell down mm-hmm. and just sort of yeah. like be in light in the episodic nothing nature of of everyday life. And and I think that's what TNG is probably like one of the last series to be able to really do. Yeah. What's a, what's a big surprise that you had uh, when you started running your own show, like something you did not anticipate <laughs> And then all of a oh sudden it's like, oh, I this never occurred to me, but now this is a thing that I have to deal with. 
how hard it is. <laughs> I mean, it's just, sure. it hurts in the bones to make right. TV, you know, because you're going so, I think you're just, it, you're going so fast. And I think um, everyone said this and I had heard this all the time, but you know, when you're on the other side of it and you're watching the show, you're like, I can't believe they did that. Like, why did they do Oh God, what a cheap way to go out. What a terrible, lazy idea. Why are these people so lazy? You're making a TV show. You have all the money in the world. You're famous. Why can't you do it? And you're in it. And it's like, oh, well, I can absolutely see why all of these choices were made. This is an impossible. This is ridiculous what we're doing. How fast we're doing it. Like, there could be a pandemic. Everyone's in mass all the time. Like, we're still out here making TV. What is wrong with us? You yeah. know, um, it, just imp how impossibly difficult it is to just turn the thing in, mm -hmm. I think, was surprising to me, let alone try to be an artist, mm -hmm. <laughs> try yeah. to make something that matters, you know. Try uh, to be meaningful, how yeah. dare you. Dare, just showing up to work and be like, girl, I shot something today and I cut yeah. it together as well. That is so difficult to do. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah, and especially with the way that, you know, resources are different now. Like, yeah. there's a lot of different sizes of things that you can make and so it's like it's not all just like well they have all the money in the world they could do whatever it's like you don't really know sometimes how some of this stuff gets no. made i'm here to tell you or how some cheaply of this stuff, it is made <laughs> ooh, how quickly yes or how you're just looking around and you're like what are we are we children yes is this a school project <laughs> no it's what a happening look it is a business okay mm -hmm. and you know, we all have to sort of figure out a way to make art out of the cans of soup that we're assigned to mm -hmm. make. And um, and there is a lot of passion. And there's a lot of love and creativity and all that good stuff. But, mm -hmm. you know, the feeling like you're on an assembly line. I don't TV for me, at least, it's been palpable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, palpable I, is a good word. Yeah. I don't I don't know what I expected, but I guess I didn't quite expect that. <laughs> Well, then we're doing a, a film. Is it relatively uh, a, a breeze compared to that? Or or Oof, I won't say that. Like, let's not get carried away. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, there's something nice about a there's something about focus on a film that I like. You're yeah. focused on one story, whereas in TV, you know, I'm I'm always I'm always in one of the 10 episodes that I'm making um, every single day. There's always something about one of those episodes that I need to creatively make a decision about you know I, I i just wrapped you know we've been shooting um what they call block shooting where you shoot multiple episodes mm -hmm. at the same time so in a day i'll go from the first episode to the last episode to an episode in the middle i'm looking at a cut of episode three i'm looking at a rewrite of episode seven um and and juggling all the different aspects of the story at once it it, it can it, it both like makes you feel alive, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it, it can be invigorating, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's also nice on a feature film to just like today, Anna has gone to the office to ask for a raise. Yeah. It's all we have to talk about. Yeah. You know, there's something yeah. about the focus of, of a, of a feature that I, I, I really like, but it's a push and pull. There's pros and cons, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you, you gotta love it. Cause it's always hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Along those same lines, if if they were going to tap you to direct some track, what mm. do you what do you prefer? You want to jump into some episodes? You want to do some TV, or you want to do the next movie? Oh my God! How dare you? Um, <laughs> Look, I'm trying to create opportunities here. I feel like if I speak it on this official it. property, I love it. You know, right. <laughs> honestly, I I would say yes to any and all of the above. I think they're very different animals. Mm -hmm. um, I I really get Star Trek on television, though. I really get it because uh, that's what I grew up with. But I also love, you know, the attempts to translate it to feature films, which, you know, famously uh, has hits and misses <laughs> throughout the, 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 Star, uh, the Star Trek, you know, series of films. Um, but there's something really fucking cool about Star Trek in a movie universe, too. So to answer your question, yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> just yes across the mm -hmm. board. Mm -hmm. Great, we'll pass that along, Fantastic. and um, I'll take all the credit for connecting you. Now it's all up to the secret to take over. Yes, <laughs> exactly. But now it's cool because the TV world where Star Trek lives is so cinematic too. I yeah. mean, my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. the stuff they do yeah. on Discovery is nuts. Justin, if left to your own devices, would you just tweak stuff forever, or how you were talking about oh. letting go? Because that is that is so often it's the hardest part because you do. You know, there's the obstacles of creativity, 
which a lot of times the greatest stuff comes out of that of like, we didn't have enough money for this. So we had to do this instead. But if you just, if nobody was looking over your shoulder about anything, expecting a deadline or whatever, Mm. would you just keep tweaking and tweaking and (laughs) tweaking? Yeah, that's dangerous. Yeah, it, it's got to be something in between. Because if I have forever to do it, yeah, I may not get to the outline. Like I may <laughs> just be in. What could it be? Forever. Right. Right. Um, so I, you know, I don't, I don't think I want to ever tweak forever. I don't want to shoot a movie over seven years, like Stanley Kubrick or something. Yeah. But I definitely would like more than like twenty-two days. <laughs> like I would like yeah. something in between. Yeah. You know, um, those two extremes. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. yeah, like that would be my favorite version of it. If I was shooting, like, you know, maybe not a half a page a day, but not 19 pages a day. Mm -hmm. Like, it'd be nice to just a number in between those two. I'd be very happy with it. Yeah. I could certainly spend more time tweaking and testing uh, than I I usually get. Um, But I think that's true of everybody. Here's an out there question. I'm going to link it back to all good things. So the next generation took, what, total seven years to air? Seven, eight years? So All Good Things harkened back to Encounter at Farpoint with Q, with the his the costume he's in, the court, everything. The way that people literally watched television back then was once a week for seven <laughs> years. God forbid you missed the pilot. As someone who came to the series finale first, do you think it's possible that people had tracked <clears throat> that from the beginning to when they were watching the end? Was it like the most epic oh my God, was it the most epic callback basically? Or do you think a lot of people were left scratching their heads? Honestly, that's what to me is so genius about it is that I literally didn't watch the entire series and yet it hit me in just the same way to know that the series had actually gone to all of those places that we, you know, not only, not only was it a vision for the distant future for, you know, the 23rd and 24th centuries, but it was also a vision for the immediate future. You know, when you're sort of in that, in the court world that you talked about. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, well, what is that about? It made me, I I think they did it just right. Um, Because I I don't think that, I feel like because the show was syndicated and because you certainly Star Trek nerdom was already at a fevered pitch, you had a lot of people who were tracking and and could easily go yeah. back and, and marathon right up until, because you had VHS, you could record it. And my godfather literally had every episode with the commercial breaks, like mm-hmm. neatly and systematically recorded, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. since they began to air. So it was possible, but it was also possible for someone who didn't do any of that to enjoy it, which is not the case, I will say, for most serialized television now. Now, like you, there's you are ridiculous if you try to watch the season series finale of like Game of Thrones or something. Like you, why even try? You will have no yeah. clue what is happening. You know. Um, so I, I think that they threaded that needle to answer the question, and you know, by the fact that yeah. I I was like an instant trekker, instant. Mm-hmm. Like the minute I yeah. seen it, I think is is proof of that. <laughs> I think so too. I think that's incredible. Gotta ask these VHS tapes. Uh, are we talking EP SP? <laughs> Oh my God! Mm, how many how many episodes per tape? Wow, I don't remember. <laughs> I, 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 I like want to say talk. I like this. I want to say in the talk. early days it was probably EP. Yeah, because the quality improved over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it was he was very serious about it. I should right. ask him though. I don't know. <laughs> do you think he's is he is he still with us? Oh yeah, yeah. Does he still have them? Do you think? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> Yeah, he was he's he, Robert Francois is his name. He's is a really beautiful artist too. He would make um starships like little models wow. and he would paint oh, wow. space scenes and stuff. I mean, it was like the perfect godfather to have for like a burgeoning nerd. Oh, <laughs> burgeoning blurred such as me. <laughs> oh, <fantastic. laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, he would take me to comic book stores. I mean, it was great. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever record anything onto VHS tape and bequeath it to a younger person or any any friend? I don't think any of the things that I recorded on VHS tape should ever be bequeathed to a younger person. Okay. Okay. And and I did phrase that straight yeah, and walk into something, you know, and that's on me. We grew, that is on we, me. Uh, we grew up in a household when I was an adolescent where you would have like the HBO week. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I would mm-hmm. record things from that week that are, that are not Christian. Okay, because I was young (laughs) and I was finding myself, guys. And this is not me trying to accuse you. How dare you? I threw those in the trash. It never happened. Well, once, and now- once they were completely worn out. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? What is the insinuation here? Well, tape quality got better eventually. That's all I'm saying. 
Well, this has been yes, this, this has so been amazing. Cool. Oh, it's so Thank great to chat so with you. Thank you so much for sharing your love of Trek. It's it's just so fun to talk with people who have such a love for it. And love yeah, it. this was great. Love it. Can't get enough of it. Gonna go watch Little Nas X right now, though. There you go. <laughs> Please do. Holiday. Everyone, everyone, watch it. Even though you're hearing this in like spring or some shit, but go go watch, go watch it, it again. It's great. It doesn't matter. You need it right now. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, guys. <laughs> Paul, you Stop. you suggested that bit. We you suggested to, this, <laughs> that we and come then, back laughing, but then, now we're really laughing because it's so it stupid. True, it's so stupid. <laughs> when you wish uh, upon a bit. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, that was so much fun. Um, what a great time we had with Justin. And yes, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, he was he's just a, he's a ball. Yeah, and I'm serious about getting him to direct something in the in the Trek world. He's such a fan. Yeah, absolutely. He's got such good good ideas. I we got to get him in there. So, you know, get yeah. get Justin in there, someone who can offer him a job. Uh guys, uh, we can't do it. Will you start the hashtag uh <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Justin Simeon directs something Trek now. Yeah. That's that rolls off the the old internet tongue, don't it? <laughs> oh, the old internet tongue. I'm so sorry I said the old internet tongue. That doesn't feel good. Mm, I'm picturing it. It's sensual. No, don't. Don't. It's this too late. This show is PG-13 sometimes. Okay, well, I think that's all we have to say. Thank you to our guest, Justin. Thanks to everybody. Thank you all for listening. Um, please do remember to uh, subscribe, rate the show, write a review wherever you review things. It really does make a difference, and we really do appreciate it. Yeah, we love that. And we love you. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper.